for 25 years. Nothing has tasted better after a hard day's work than a Mike's Hard Lemonade. It's because since day one, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. We use three kinds of lemons, all hand-picked from family farms, then blended to perfection in cold press to create the epic hard lemonade you know and love. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. Remember the Thai cave rescue? What about the mission depicted in Black Hawk Down or the epic rescue shown in Captain Phillips? You've probably heard of all of these, but did you know that U.S. Air Force Special Warfare played a pivotal role in all of them? These airmen are the most highly trained warriors on the planet. Other forces like the SEALs and Army Rangers call on them to provide skills no one else can. Not many people make the cut, but if you think you can, visit AirForce.com to learn more. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's episode, WWE Hall of Famer, TNA Hall of Famer, and the greatest tag team wrestler of all time. Bully Ray and I talk to... Sammy Guevara, that's right, right out of Double or Nothing and the main event, Stadium Stampede 2. The man victorious, Sammy Guevara, will join us on today's podcast. Also, just days before the big NWA pay-per-view on Fight TV, president and owner of the NWA, Billy Corgan, joins us right now on the Busted Open Podcast. Now, how excited are you coming off that big Vic inner circle going nowhere on AEW? Man, it's a it's a trip. I don't even have the words to express it. Um, main eventing the pay-per-view, closing it out. My girlfriend was in the audience. Uh, my best friends were there. Um, the crowd loved me. Um, it was a it was a night I'll I'll, for, I'll remember forever. That's for sure. Sammy, let's talk about that crowd for one second. Uh, was that the loudest crowd you've ever been in front of? I feel like it was. Um, it's We've been doing in front of like barely any people for the past year and a half, so I forgot what a crowd like that sounds like. So I don't know if it's just the fact that I haven't heard a loud crowd in a while or, yeah, that was one of the loudest when you sit back and you look at the finished product of Stadium Stampede, not sure if you saw it back, how do you feel about the match? How did the rest of the guys in the uh, inner circle feel about the match? Anything that you feel that you could have uh, done differently or did it come off exactly the way you wanted it to? Man, uh, so I didn't get to watch everyone else's stuff because I was uh, going to get ready to get loaded in the golf cart. But then watching it back, man, Jake Hager and Warlow going through a wall. Um, you know, Urban Meyer, um, the, the, the nightclub scene, I feel like everything was good. You know, there was that mix of, uh, seriousness, comedy, um, and then me doing some ninja stuff. I, I think it was great. Yeah. And Bully mentioned the crowd and the one concern I have, especially in the main event slot for double or nothing was that I was very surprised that they were going to have the stadium stampede match last because 
you know, we knew that most of that match was going to take place in the stadium, not in front of the fans. But I got to be honest. I mean, judging from the start and the finish, I don't think the fans cared at all. They were looking at that that screen during that match. Yeah, and I was uh, I was a little nervous going into it too because they just saw like so many good matches and they were being loud for them all. And, you know, crowds get tired towards the end. So I'm like, man, hopefully they're still this energetic by the time we come out. And when we when Jericho and Max were up in the stands and me and Spears came with the golf cart, it was it was insane. I was like, well, they're definitely still awake. <laughs> Sammy, talk to me about the relationship of the inner circle uh, off screen on screen. You know, as Chris says, you're, you know, you're, you're a gang. You're, you're not, you're, 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 you're more of a brotherhood. How is the relationship between the five, five of you guys off screen? Um, it's, it's great, man. We got this group chat. We're always sending memes to each other. Um, I feel like they're all like my big brothers. Um, they kind of just guide me, uh, to wherever we're trying to go. They all help me out. Um, to me, they're definitely, uh, some brothers and, um, I don't know. I feel like in the beginning of Dynamite, you know, it's like this is like storyline kind of stuff like, oh, we're in this group, whatever. But then as the months went on, uh, we actually uh, formed like an actual relationship and we actually became friends. And um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like we're in, we're in a good group of guys. You know, these five, I don't know if it would have worked with anyone else. Do you feel like you have a strong voice uh, amongst the five guys, you being the youngest guy? Um <clears throat> They listen to your ideas. They, they, you know, they're, they're open-minded to the stuff you come up with. So, yeah, I mean, it, it was my idea to, uh, to, to have the match go from the cinematic to end it into the live crowd. And they actually went with it. Wow. That, that's nice. a pretty, that's a pretty big deal. That's not yeah, just like a small I, idea. That's not like tackle drop down <laughs> hip toss. That's like a, a pretty, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I was surprised too. Uh, Tony and Chris, you know, they came up to me and they're like, uh, you know, that was a really good idea. And I figured other guys came up to him and, and told him that idea, but apparently uh, no one else did. And you know, they gave me credit for it. So that, that was pretty cool. Sammy, talk about not just the audience at Double or Nothing, but the hardcore audience of AEW. Bully and I talk about how AEW has able to grab that 18 to 35-year-old. It really showed amongst those 5,000 fans on Sunday, like, you know, pro wrestling for a long time. I've been doing this show for 12 years and for the longest time it was kids and it was people over the age of 40. You have really been able to tap into that 80, 35, 18 to 35 year old. Yeah. And, uh, for whatever reason, man, people are liking me. Um, I don't know. I don't know what exactly the, the reasoning is, but whatever it is, we're going to keep doing it, man. I feel like it's just we keep putting on uh, great matches every single week. And uh, the stories that we're telling, I mean, this uh, pinnacle and inner circle feud has been going on pretty much since last September with Max uh, wanting to join the inner circle. So uh, maybe it's the, the long term stories that we do. We don't hot shot things um, in a month and then it's over. It's been almost a year, and this thing's, uh, I, I believe, still going on. Sammy, when it comes to Max and Chris, they command a lot of that spotlight. And there's, you know, there's eight other guys there between the pinnacle and the inner circle. Um, how do you guys keep 
your faces in the spotlight? Or do you feel that Chris does a great job of bringing you guys in? Chris definitely does a great job of bringing us in. Um, especially like the way the match ended, uh, ending with me and Spears, you know, it could have definitely ended with Max and Jericho, but, um, you know, we had it in with me and Spears. we put a great spotlight on myself. And then on top of that, whatever situation you put me in, um, Booker T always tells me like, uh, this kid knows how to get himself over. So whatever you give me, I'm going to make gold out of it. All right. Speaking of gold and I was with Jacob Henry all weekend long because we were <laughs> with Mark and all I had to hear bully all Jacob Mark Henry's son was talking about was Sammy Guevara Sammy Guevara Sammy Guevara it's his favorite it's all his favorite wrestler and then it turned into I gotta be on his vlog gotta be on the vlog gotta gotta get me on the vlog get me on the vlog so so first of all talk about the vlog and then talk about Jacob's uh you know participation if you will singing on the vlog the latest episode yeah, so the vlog sun uh, we do every Tuesday, um, and it's it goes up at twelve Texas time, whatever that is for y'all, and um, it's just behind the scenes nonsense of what we do when we're not wrestling. And Jacob got to be in this past weeks. Uh, we have uh, boy band auditions with Alan Angels, Fuego del Sol, and Griff Garrison, and uh, Jacob walked in to join, and uh, he's actually a really good singer. But uh, the boy band wasn't too interested in him. Saw my girlfriend, Pam, in the background throwing away some trash. Went up to her. Uh, I think she's in. And he ended up getting caned by negative one. And uh, not just like a gentle little cane shot. No, he got caned so many times by negative one. I, I almost had to pause the camera to be like, hey, negative one, take it easy, buddy. <laughs> how How can people? How can people watch the vlog? Uh, Sammy Guevara on YouTube. Go there, subscribe, and uh, like all that fun stuff. Sammy, when you look at yourself uh, in the mirror, do you see more of a heel persona or a babyface persona? Um, I don't see really either. Uh, I've been a heel majority of my wrestling, like on the independents and stuff, but I never really acted too heelish. Occasionally, I did bad guy things but i feel like i'm just me and a lot of people will like me or a lot of people will hate me it's it's either or um but regardless of what you think of my personality i try to go out there in the ring and uh just give it my all and whatnot and so at the end of the day rather you like me as a person at least you can like uh, what i do in the ring is that that sounds like kind of like advice you could get like a veteran from a veteran like Chris Jericho, but you say this, this is the way you view yourself and that's good. What what's some of the bigger lessons that you may have learned from Chris, or is there one lesson that really sticks out in your mind? Man, there's so many. Uh, you know, just taking your time in in between the moments, um, st structuring certain things. Uh, he's he's such a mastermind at this i mean there's a reason he's been doing this longer than i've been alive um and so anytime he says something man uh I, I always try to just take it and even if i don't see what he's seeing i try to like understand it from where he's coming from and then by the end of it i'm like okay now this makes sense like he kind of has a different way of thinking in it um i don't even know like 
he's a genius. It's Jericho, you know. He, I got I don't know if this video is even on, but I got him in the background right there. Uh the sex gods. But there's so many lessons this dude has taught me and uh too many to really say, to be honest. You know, Sammy, you're you're super young and you got so many veterans here. That's right. Super young, so beautiful. You know, let's, Jealous. let's keep I mean, going. I'm, I'm 49 and, and weathered. You know, you're 27 and, and you look <laughs> beautiful. But but you have veterans in place here now within AEW. You know, Paul White, uh, you know, Christian Cage. You know, Mark Henry is now on the scene. I mean, are these guys that you're going to tap into, you know, to try to get their experience and use that to your advantage? Oh, 100%. Uh, I feel like if anybody backstage, any of the young guys are not talking to any of these guys, you know, they're stupid. We have so many people backstage with just years and years of experience. So anytime, man, just talking to Dean Malenko, even if he's uh, not telling me about ring stuff, just hearing stories from uh, from on the road and stuff. It's just so interesting how uh, times have changed and all the fun road stories that he tells. Uh, I love talking to any of those guys and I, I look forward to having some conversations with Mark Henry and uh, you know, he can tell me some stuff. Speaking of the backstage producers or agents or coaches, is there one of them that you like working with more who gels with you and your vision? Hmm. Let's see. Jerry Lynn. I like Jerry Lynn, Dean Malenko, um so let's just so take many, Jerry yeah. for let, let, let's just take Jerry for a second. Why Jerry? All right. What is it about Jerry that you can relate to so much? Um I don't know. He's like he kind of understands where I'm coming from where I, like I'm trying to do some crazy thing or whatnot like I'm trying to be remembered uh, in that moment, but then he also like he kind of structures certain things like in a certain way where it, it's like, well, we can't do that right here because of this reason. Like he kind of brings me back to earth, but in like such a way that like, I'm not offended by it or whatever. Um, Jerry just has a way of talking to people and he's such a nice guy. And uh, like he, he was our agent for my match at revolution with Darby. And uh, we wanted to do some crazy thing into the crowd. And Jerry was like, yeah, you guys can't do that. And we ended up going with the 630 through the table. But, um, yeah, Jerry's definitely a great guy. Ladies and gentlemen, we are live. Sirius XM Fight Nation is your home for the hardest hitting combat sports talk you'll find in the world. Whether it's pro wrestling, MMA, or boxing, join the conversation with us at 877-FIGHT-93. Anytime from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern. As we react to the hottest storylines, most intriguing matchups, and more. Oh, my God! Your home for the best all-day combat sports talk anywhere. Sirius XM Fight Nation, Channel 156. For 25 years, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. 
The best part of spring cleaning takeaway is the post-clean clarity you get. It's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless when Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited-time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for $15 a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash busted open. That's mintmobile.com slash busted open. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash busted open. $45 upfront payment required equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factors, no prep, no mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors Fresh Never Frozen Meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. Head to Factormeals.com slash Busted50 and use code Busted50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code Busted50 at Factormeals.com slash Busted50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. The one and only Billy Corgan. Sir, how are you this morning? I'm good, uh, Dave LaGreca. I mean... I, I saw you getting all hot the other day. I was like, I, I didn't know which uh, wreck I was going to get today. <laughs> well, I mean, you know what? When I'm talking NWA, I'm calm. I'm happy. You know, when you and I start talking about Monday Night Raw, that could be a different Dave LaGreca. That was, that was an A-level promo there. I was, I was impressed. Hey, man, thanks. I, coming from you, that means a lot. Um, very excited about the show that's coming up on Sunday. I love, first of all, been loving NWA Power on Fight TV. Uh, I watch each and every week. The stories have been fantastic. I think the NWA has done a wonderful job telling stories leading into the pay-per-view we're going to see on Sunday. And I got to be honest with you, and I'm not just saying it because my co-host is here. Love the commentating team that you have on NWA Power recently. I'm so happy with our commentating team. Um, Velvet's doing an amazing job. You know, she'd never done commentating before. And I just played a hunch on that. I just had a feeling she was going to be great in the role, knowing her a bit behind the scenes. And she's just killing it. And I'm just so proud of the work her and Tim Storm are doing. They make a great team. I mean, I just really like the the balance of the voices and the fact that both of them are champions and have long established careers. I think it it lends so much credibility to what we're putting out on television. Uh, Billy, we had Trevor Murdoch on uh, about two weeks ago. And just so you know, great representation for the NWA came on this, uh, came on our show, made me want to watch even more, made me want to watch his uh, match and his rivalry with uh, Nick Aldis. And and that's what you want. You want guys and gals in your company who are going to reel people in just from coming on the radio and talking, talking about things. 
How are are you happy with the way this story is progressing and the direction it's heading in? You know, I think Trevor is the perfect example of why I love the NWA um, because you know my whole thing is a meritocracy. If you can prove it in the ring and you can prove it to the fans, and then of course by extension you can prove it to me. Um, you know, Trevor's been held back in his in his previous life, and here's an opportunity where he's going to go right to the top with it. And look, let's remember where Trevor started with Harley Race, just like with Nick. And when you were trained by Harley Race, you have a deep, deep respect for this business. And so Trevor represents our brand well. I think he's just now coming into his own, which is kind of crazy to say because he's had a long career. But when you look at his ability, his size, his power, I just, I mean, I'm just, I'm just proud of this matchup because this is kind of like, a, you know, you see where the world's kind of going these days. Yes, there's a lot of people producing a weekly television, as are we, but these kind of box office matchups. And, you know, if you would have told people three, four years ago that a box office matchup would have been Nick Aldis versus Trevor Murdoch, you would have said, eh, now it's, now it's a no-brainer. And I think that's, 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 that's everything to the power of what we're doing and what we're working on behind the scenes to try to bring the fans the best matchups that we can. And in a lot of ways, like I'm not comparing, but obviously you see these two names and you see the banner of the NWA. I, th I believe Trevor Murdoch would have been a major superstar decades ago in old school NWA in the 80s. And this storyline has been reminiscent of when I think of the greatest feud of all time in pro wrestling, Dusty Rhodes and Ric Flair. You have Trevor Murdoch, who's the common man that the common man could relate with, that's being held down because of his beliefs and you know, how he relates himself to pro wrestling. And you have Nick Aldis, who's the suit and the NWA world champion holding on to that 10 pounds of gold. It is a little reminiscent of a feud decades and decades ago. Well, I, I, I'm kind of reaching a point and I, I'm not taking offense with what you're saying, but I'm trying to be at the point where like, to me, the old school is the new school. Professional wrestling has swung so far in the other direction. I can't believe I'm actually making a case that the tradition that that existed for 70 or 80 years yeah. is the future. But I'm a firm believer, and I have a lot of meetings with people behind the scenes who feel very disconnected from the current wrestling product on television. And I don't necessarily mean that it's criticisms. Uh, criticism. Uh, every company that's successful at the top level is doing what they think is best and to best serve their fans. But traditionally, professional wrestling was a very mainstream product. And many people have made the case in the last 10 years that as, as wrestling has kind of marched off in different directions, you've left a lot of kind of, let's call it the common people standing on the sidelines, kind of wondering what happened to the wrestling that they grew up in. I'm not trying to bring that back. I'm just looking around going, you mean nobody's doing this, <laughs> especially at this level? And I don't want to speak for Bully, but I, I think he and I believe that what we believe in is, is the thing. Yes, you can do other things, but at the end of the day, the guy in Main Street America is going to pay for a Trevor Murdoch and a Nick Aldis all day long. You don't have to convince them anything. You just have to listen to them talk and see them stand there. And there's your matchup. You don't have to believe a bunch of stuff. That's like you got to follow 18 things down a rabbit hole. So I, I just I, I just I, I can't believe I'm saying that I really believe the old school is the new school. And, and Trevor Murdoch did nothing but come on this show and handle it in an old school manner. 
You came on the radio and you talked about your rivalry. You talked about your opponent. You talked about what was coming up. And after that was over, I was like, damn it, I want to see this match. And it worked. So, yes, I completely agree with you. Billy, the the big news past 48 hours, some releases in the WWE. Um, Do any of those names jump off the page at you where you'd say, wow, one of those talents would be a great fit for the NWA? Well, uh, you know, Braun Strowman. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, but 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 would that be a great fit for the NWA, or is it just the biggest star that got released? No, no. I, I, if he was a if he was green in NXT, I'd be jumping all over it. I, I mean, I, I just that's bully. You're a big guy. There aren't a lot of big guys who have that level of ability. So you think like, how do you let a guy like that out the door? I just, I don't mean to be critical. I'm not making the business decisions, but I don't know how you let a guy like that out the door. Ruby Riot, I think has a very, very bright future. Um, Lana, holy cow, how do you let her go? I mean, I've seen Lana in person, you know, just behind the scenes, a truly beautiful woman, you know, I, I, I mean, marketable to the nines has worked very, very hard, best I can see both you know, what's in public and what I know behind the scenes to really improve. I don't know how you let her go. I just, I, I don't, I don't understand it, but again, I'm not making those decisions and, and whatever their reasons, there's obviously a lot of speculation, but when you looked at that list, you thought, Oh man, this is, this is pretty wild. Especially when things are heating up between AEW and, and WWE, at least in the public's mind, mm-hmm. maybe WWE doesn't feel that way. You know, there's a lot of difference there in terms of the business but in terms of the public's mind, you got a little bit of a rivalry going on. AWC, uh, a- the AW obviously has some momentum. I think to jump key talents like that on the market at this time seems very, very odd decision. But at the same time, Bully and I went through the list of wrestlers that were let go in 2020. And one of those names, Serena Deeb, your NWA women's champion, like, you know, I mean, some other person's loss is another one's gain. And you certainly have been able to take advantage of that one. Serena has so impressed me. Um, you know, I have this kind of very general memory back when she was with Punk and she was just kind of, you know, working outside the ring type of stuff. If you would have told me back then that she would go on to be one of the best professional wrestlers on the planet, not just female, but just the planet, any, 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 uh, anybody, I, I'm just so impressed. Um, really proud to have her represent the NWA. And she's been nothing but class um, top to bottom. Her match on yeah. Sunday was incredible, by the way, with Rio. I mean, that was one of the best matches of the night. She's killing it. I mean, I don't know what else. Yeah, I mean, yeah. at, at Pat Kenny, you know, who does, everybody knows is Simon Diamond, who does talent for uh, the NWA. Pat always says it ain't rocket science, you know. And I'm sorry, you just get talented people who walk it, talk it. And I, I just, I, I think it gets a lot easier. Billy, uh, Pat Kenny. Great uh, addition to your roster behind the scenes. Always enjoyed working with him. Understands uh, the foundation of this industry and what works and what doesn't work. When you first brought the NWA back, you had a very big vision for it. I remember you being on Busted Open one or two times talking about it. Obviously, the pandemic hits. You got to shut it down for a while. Is that the same vision for the NWA? You obviously want to grow this brand, grow this product. What do you see in the next year for the NWA? Well, let me start here. I think it's a great question. 
first of all, and I, I, I feel like the little guy uh, running around ringing a bell. I see stuff I think maybe that not everybody sees. It's, it's going to be a hot second here, but pretty quickly, all the non-WWE forces out, out there at play are going to figure out if they work together, you can topple the giant. Now, you might not topple them to the ground, but you can bring them to a knee. And that has not been even remotely a possibility for over 20 years. It's been 20 plus years since the WWE had real competition. Now, if you want to say AW versus WWE, I can respect that. But I think WWE would beg to differ on the bottom line part of it all. But if you're talking about a public perception where you let this wrestling revolution in the last five years really kick in and they let talents like yourself, Bully or a Mark Henry step up into this new vacuum, which Triller is also creating with the kind of the fight club model. And suddenly you can offer fans matchups that are complete dream matchups and can wrestle rival mania on any given night. I think it will blow this industry wide apart and in a good way, not in a bad way. And, and I think, and I think Tony Khan is very smart. He'll figure that out pretty soon. Now he might be in the catbird seat and think he doesn't need anybody, but I think he's going to quickly figure out that if he can get everybody under the same tent and he's got a lot of people under the same tent already, I'm working with Tony impacts working with Tony new Japan's working with Tony. I, I don't think there's any hostility there between Tony and ring of honor. I mean, you put all the, all the non-WWE players at the table in one night. I mean, how do you not, how does the world not stop and watch for that one night? I mean, that is a mind-blowing concept that wouldn't even have been close to possible five years ago. So to answer your question, I think the NWA is just kind of, kind of playing the wave that's coming. But, and as I've said to Tony privately, um, our product is what it is. We're going straight up the middle. And I know there are a lot of wrestling fans who like what's going on. All power to you. I'm going to ride the bet that the old school is the new school. And when all is said and done, it might be five years, might be seven years. There's going to be another major player at the table. And it's going to be the NWA because a mainstream broadcasting platform is going to look and say, if you can deliver this quality with this level of consistency to this wide of an audience, well, here's the seat at the table. Because I, I don't have to sell them anything. You just look at the history, look at the brand. And look at what you're presenting. And as long as you can figure it out behind the scenes, we're good to go. It's actually quite refreshing to hear somebody talk about how the old school mentality still works. It seems like too many people are trying to get away from it for no good reason. I think it's because of laziness. I think the old school way takes a little bit more thought because you've got to think about that character and what that character would say in the depth of the story. It seems like people nowadays want that instant gratification, that quick move, that quick story. The NWA was built on real men and women fighting about real issues with real angst and animosity. I don't get enough of that. And to hear you say that that's your vision, that's what you want to do, man, as a fan, sounds great to me. Thank you. And, uh, and let, me, let me criticize us for a second because this is the kind of stuff that drives me crazy. I've asked 50 times and I have to ask 50 more times. Nothing drives me more insane than if you're having a tag match and for no good reason at all, the babyface team jumps in and kicks the heel team in the head to break up a pin. I, I, I don't understand in a million years why a babyface team would break up a pin if there's no storyline to it. And I asked behind the scenes, I asked my referees, and we just had a match the other day where that's exactly what happened in the match. That stuff drives me insane. 
Now, if that drives me insane, you can understand where I'm coming from. I see a lot of stuff on television where the people are very, very gifted, but they are suspending kind of general reality because it's just convenient. And I get it. But I, I, I just personally don't believe in it. Billy, Tag Team Psychology 101. A babyface team should never make a save unless they are righting the wrong of the heel team doing it first. Because if a babyface team does it first, you're just admitting that the heel team had the chance of beating your partner. That's it. End of story. It should never happen. You seem you seem to know a little bit about tag team wrestling. I think you should. If you, if you ever want to do any tags with us, let us know. But, you know, Billy just talked about, you know, patience and telling a story. We just had Sammy Guevara on. And I mentioned to Sammy about being at Double or Nothing this past weekend, how, man, that, that crowd was packed with 18 to 35-year-olds. Their core audience is 18 to 35. I asked why. And his reasoning was, we don't hotshot things. We tell a story. We're paid. Like, I, I think a lot of people's perception is that the wrestling audience doesn't have patience. But if you tell them a, a good story, case in point, what's going on in the NWA right now with the Pope and Tires, if you play a story that people are interested in, the fans are going to like it and they're going to be patient through a story. You're, <clears throat> let's take WWE. How, much, how many hours of programming a year are they running? 200, year, 200 hours? 200 years, yeah. sorry. 200 hours. <laughs> You're asking people to watch a 200-hour-a-year uh, movie. I mean, the payoffs have to be worth it. I mean, going back to when I used to watch TNA back in the old, old days, I mean, I would watch and there'd be the, all these builds and you get to these pay-per-views and, 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 my, and my old friend Vinnie Rue would book these screw job finishes and say, why did I just watch for two months? And of course, Vince would argue with me behind the scenes and say, well, nobody cares and the ratings and, and, and you know, God bless Vince, but I just don't get it. It's like watching a movie and three minutes before the finish, the guy turns to the camera and goes, this doesn't matter, but watch yeah. anyway. Bully. I mean, is this what we preach each and every day here on this show? On This business is really easy. And if you stick to the foundations of what this business built was built on, you can build any house, any match, any character you want. Um, it's always been the black hat and the white hat, the good guys and the bad guys and characters and stories. And once you have that, you can do anything. Billy, I, I probably told you, I mean, growing up in the Northeast, I was force fed superhero characters in the WWE, but I found myself switching to TBS looking for that NWA product because I felt like I saw real people fighting about real issues. And I believe I want pro wrestling to evolve into the most real version of itself that it can. No more canned storylines. I want, I want to put a camera in front of the face of every talent and ask them, who do you not like and why? <laughs> who didn't who who didn't have who didn't have enough money in their pocket for to pay for the half of their hotel room and why did that make you mad? Who said something <laughs> about you in the back? Who is do you have on a scale of one to ten, a one to or a ten, who do you have some kind of animosity with? And then I want to take that story and I wanna run with it. Because real works and it always has worked. And you've always been real with your audience as in the Smashing Pumpkins. And that's why you sell out 20,000 seats in Madison Square Garden. Enough of this fake, phony dog shit. 
Wrestling needs to go to back to real. Okay, I'm gonna get off are my you, soapbox now. Are you are you saying, bully, you don't like Flip Gordon because you sure beat the bejesus out of him? <laughs> <laughs> I hate the little prick. <laughs> um, Billy, uh, we've seen uh, Serena Deeb cross over to AEW. We've seen Thunder Rosa cross over to AEW. Uh, any chance we might see Nick Aldis and uh, your AEW champion, uh, Kenny Omega, anytime soon? I pitched it to, to Tony a few times, you know, so it's Tony's world. You know, I respect him for what he's building. Um, but yeah, I, and look, I'll say it again, Nick versus Cody Rhodes for a third time. I mean, that is, that is an epic, epic matchup waiting to happen. I saw it happen twice in front of my own eyes. And when you combine Cody with the NWA world's heavyweight championship and that history, I'm sorry. I saw a look on Cody's face that I've only seen when he was fighting for that title. Because you can't tell me that that history does not mean something to him. I mean, his father's you know, nickname is tattooed across his chest for a reason. And uh, when your dad's Dusty Rhodes, I mean, I'm sorry. And you, I'm, I get goosebumps just talking about the dang thing. So I hope we see Cody and Nick down the road at some point. Because that, that to me, is just, it's, it's just like, it's just waiting. <laughs> it's just waiting. Whenever we have Nick on the show, and he always does a fantastic job representing the NWA when he's here on Busted Open with us, I always ask him about his next match with Cody, because to me, it's an absolute no-brainer. Uh, Nick versus Kenny, uh, yeah, okay, champion, champion. It, it really doesn't do as much for me, if anything, as Nick versus Cody, because the story is there, and when the story is that deep, man you're off to the races the job is is just about done so when you're talking to tony maybe the cody nick match is the one that needs to happen before anything else well and also now with with uh dustin you know in aw so imagine dustin is part of that 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 telling that story i mean you don't have to make anything up <laughs> it's standing right in front of you it's real uh, let's get into the pay-per-view taking place Sunday, 4 p.m. Eastern time on Fight TV. I mean, top to bottom, this card's incredible. Thunder Rosa and Molina going up against a returning Kylie Ray, which is exciting, and Taryn Terrell, who I think Bully is one of the most underappreciated women's wrestlers. I mean, go back and watch her match with Gail Kim at Slammiversary from TNA, if you don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, the Pope versus Tyrus, we were talking about that sh uh, that story earlier. I'm sure Austin Idol is going to be creeping outside the ring <laughs> as well. Uh, Camille, who has done a phenomenal job as of late on NWA Power going up against your NWA Women's Champion, Serena Deeb, Trevor Murdoch, and Nick Aldis. I mean, Billy, top to bottom, this is one hell of a card for Sunday afternoon. Yeah, I'm very proud of this card. Very proud of this card. And, and this is the thing, right? I kind of get this kind of vibe sometimes with people like, well, you know, wrestling's kind of heading in this direction. You know, look at kind of what's happening. Even WWE's kind of bent their vibe a little bit to kind of this, let's call it the strongman style or, you know, whatever, the New Japan vibe or the AW vibe, or the All Elite vibe or all good, right? I, I, I'm just going to keep pounding right up the middle. I, I just know I can see it and I can smell it. Look, I used to go back and Bully remembers me. He, he remembers me standing in the locker room wonder if you wanted to knock me out because I didn't belong in the locker room circa 1999, right? You know, I was just some scrawny kid hanging out back there. 
the thing that attracted to me to ECW wasn't the craziness, although that was interesting. It was the toughness. That roster was tough, top to bottom. And when you look at our roster right now, it's just t- toughness, size, toughness. And then a lot of people can talk people in, in, into the building. So I'm really proud. We're working really, really hard. And, and, and what's weird is it's starting to really click. I think ever since we did the deal with fight, it's like all of a sudden, I, I've never been busier with the NWA. I have, I really have meetings every day almost. People coming out of the woodwork want to do deals and people talking to me about television deal. I mean, it's like crazy. So we're just going to keep punching up the middle and all due respect to everybody, uh, you know, working. I know it sounds strange because it's like, in my mind, it's almost like WWE is to one side because they do their thing and AW is to the other and New Japan's over here. And to me, I just feel like we're just going to keep walk right up the middle. Like, I don't know. It's, I, I know it sounds like a poor analogy, but I feel like a guy you just handed the ball to and I'm looking and there's nobody standing in the, in the middle of the line. The line's open and I got to run this 15 yards down the line and they'll tackle me and I'll run another 15 yards because I just know that nobody's going to pick this middle up because of where the, the trends have gone. It's almost like this style is considered passe. But when you talk to people behind the scenes, the TV executives, they're not focused on any of that stuff. They want to know what's your appeal to a mainstream audience. So it's really weird because wrestling's relationship to television is 70, 80 years old, right? And its relationship has always been its ability to appeal to a mainstream audience. The great thing that AEW is doing is to bring a whole uh, new generation of young fans. And, but I think at some point they will, sorry, they will also face the same challenges the ECW did, which is like, if you sell people on a particular product, are they going to stay there with that product? Or at some point, are they going to start wandering around and start looking for other things that kind of create kind of a natural alternative? And that was the knock against ECW back in the day it was too much to one side. And that, and that when they got on the, you know, whatever, what it was country network or whatever, it's like they had to start dealing with those forces. So again, I'm just going to keep punching up the middle and I think we're going to win in that. Billy, very interesting to me when you talk about the punching up the middle and you see you see so much daylight um, right now with WWE going one way, AEW going another. How much of your business savvy in music crosses over into pro wrestling? Like, did you see all of this daylight with the first Smashing Pumpkins album? Um, how much of your music background helps you being an owner in the professional wrestling industry. Sure. So we put out our first album. It was very much of an alternative album. At the time, it was the largest selling independent album of all time. Then as we were touring on the album, here comes Nirvana, here comes Pearl Jam. Now all of a sudden grunge and all this stuff is massive, right? Now we have to figure out how to get on the radio, how to get on MTV. So whether I wanted to admit it to myself, all these people started trying, basically telling me you're going to have to kind of go to the, go to the middle, go to the more mainstream. We kind of shifted over somewhat to the mainstream and we got a ton of flack from our, our first album fans who wanted to stay kind of to the side. We crossed over. We had a quadruple platinum album. And next thing you know, I'm on Saturday Live and cover Rolling Stone and all that stuff. Right. So I've experienced what it feels like when you have the whole crowd behind you and they're telling you, keep going. We love how unique you are. And then at some point you come against that line, you go, you know what, if I stay here, I can't I can't maintain this. And it's just the law of averages. At some point, if you don't make a mainstream product, you know what I mean? Somebody else is going to. I'll give you a quick example, and I won't name any names because I want to be kind. But if you remember the first wave of grunge, now think of the second wave of grunge. They were kind of like 
not as unique as we, we were, but they were kind of doing the same thing, but it was a little more pop and it was a little bit more uh, easily digestible on MTV. Those bands started outselling a lot of the bands that were the first wave bands. So it's just tradition. It's, not, it's nothing even personal. It's just when you're asking someone between the ages of six and 66 to watch a television program week after week after week, you have to kind of give them what is traditional, you know, uh, entertainment. It's just the way it goes. There's a reason not every ACDC song is 12 minutes long. If you remember their crossover when they went from Highway to Hell to Back in Black, right? And who they worked with. I mean, that's, that's the difference between them being a, a, a theater band and a stadium band. And I think it's the same thing in wrestling. It's just, it just is. But you talk uh, about on, on, on a quick side note, just talk about rock and roll. Uh, I'm celebrating my 50th birthday this summer. Uh, will Smashing Bumpkins please come play my birthday party? <laughs> uh, you might have to make it. You might have to. You might have to get a certain someone to ask me for that favor. I, I don't know if I'll take. I'll t- I might take it from her, but not from you. After, after hey, wait a play. minute! Whoa, 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 whoa! <laughs> hey, what? The- <laughs> Thanks for listening. Catch us Monday through Saturday on Busted Open from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM. Fight Nation, Channel 156. The Busted Open Podcast. Busted Open is part of the Sirius XM Podcast Network. The executive producer is Ed Robinson. The associate producer is Gabby Laspisa. Andy King is the director of sports podcasting for Sirius XM. Special thanks to SiriusXM Senior Vice President of Sports Programming and Podcasting, the legendary Steve Cohen, and SiriusXM Fight Nation Program Director, Marissa Rivas. SiriusXM Podcasts. For 25 years, nothing has tasted better after a hard day's work than a Mike's Hard Lemonade. It's because since day one, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. We use three kinds of lemons, all hand-picked from family farms, then blended to perfection in cold press to create the epic hard lemonade you know and love. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.